are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. The first lady is going to be bringing the word today. Hey, I get to talk on fasting. Isn't that so awesome? So Lance is like, I've preached on fasting for at least the last five years. Cindy, you take it. I'm like, paper, rock, scissors. Always my golden game, right? Two out of three. Okay, five out of ten. Uh, 51 out of 100. I'm still doing it, so just joking. He said, would you preach on fasting? And I said, sure. So that's really what happened. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I just want to mention two books. One is um, Jensen Franklin. That's kind of how we got our kickoff of learning about fasting. Lance went to a conference and came home with a book on fasting. And I said, was there only one book available at the bookstore? Because I could not believe my husband was learning about fasting. And it really has impacted our life and this church. January is our time of fasting and prayer, and we focus on that. And the reason we do that is because uh, always in the, new, in, the, in the Bible, you see they gave their first fruits to the Lord. So that's why we do it in January. It's not a law or anything. And the other book that I found absolutely amazing is called The Hidden Power of, Fa- of Prayer and Fasting. Now, I'm not going to say his name probably correct, but it's, I think it's Mahesh Shavda. I say, if you say his name three times fast, you're speaking in tongues. Mahesh Shavda, The Hidden Power of Prayer and Fasting, also an awesome book. So if you are interested in learning more, I'm just going to give you a brief overview today. But if you want to really dig into that, those are two great quality um, uh, books you can look into. So uh, maybe we'll just start in prayer. Father, I just thank you for this morning. Thank you for this beautiful atmosphere of your presence here. And, um, Lord, I just really feel, uh, Lord, that you've just given me a part of your heart for this morning to communicate, Lord, uh, an invitation of such. And, uh, Lord, would you just help me to communicate that well? We just welcome your presence here, and I thank you for the gift that you've given us this morning. Amen. So fasting can feel sometimes really daunting. If you have never fasted, I'll just say, for those who are here, because sometimes we're so used to church all the time, we don't realize there may be somebody here who's never even been in church before. That's quite possible. And so when I'm saying fasting, they might think the opposite of slow. What are they talking about? So fasting just simply means going without food. Now, Christians don't own the market on fasting. Fasting is a spiritual thing. It can be spiritual. Some people do it physically for uh, medical things or whatever. But fasting, in a spiritual sense, is going without food for a spiritual purpose, okay? But fasting in the Christian realm is always partnered with prayer because fasting without prayer is starving or a hunger strike, and that's not cool. God does not want us. I I actually teach, um, when I can, in the kids' church, a little prayer group, and uh, this is so sweet. I'm totally off topic already, and I haven't even started Um, but I had asked them, let's all think, we're talking about the prayer of adoration. I said, tell me something, uh, how you could pray to Jesus, a prayer of adoration. 
And I said, adore means like something you can't live without, you love the most. So you have to put it in your own words. I don't want to tell you how to say that. You have to say it the way you want. So, you know, the first boy says, well, God, I love you more than a sugar high. I'm like, okay, that's like totally adorable, right? And we go around and the girls have more biblical answers because they're girls. And then we get to the last little boy. He goes, I love you so much, God, I would kill myself. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. What we want to say is, God, I love you so much, I want to live for you, right? So anyway, um, so Christian fasting, the way we're talking about today, is prayer and fasting partnered together. So it's not um, just that. So, um, you know, fasting can feel daunting. It can sometimes feel fearful if you've never done it before or if you've done it and failed. And you just think, like, forget it. You know, you already start shutting down. But I just want to remind you that Psalm 1611 says, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And I want you guys to remember, as I'm talking about this, that God is the inventor of pleasure. Okay, pleasure's not wrong. He's the one who created humans that we would love the taste of cheesecake, you know? He's the one who made us light up when we see red velvet cupcakes, you know? Like, he doesn't go, oh, you're so human. It's sickening. He, he loves that we enjoy a sunset, a beautiful mountain, that we relish those precious moments with people we love. God is the creator of pleasure. The enemy, Satan, is the one who wants to pervert that. He's the one who created lust. He's the one who wants to entice us into gluttony, into taking everything that God has given us pleasure and flipping it and making it become something evil and a bondage to us. So keep in mind as I talk about fasting that God loves pleasure. He is not at all saying, well, thank goodness they're finally going to get holy. Um, in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 58, it's kind of known as the fasting chapter. And there was a really big problem happening during the writing of this book. God told Isaiah, Isaiah was a prophet for about 60 years during his time of um, span of when this book was written. And he had prophetic words to the people of Israel and Judah uh, through times when, when they were good, when they were exiled, and then when they were back again. And so at this time of him saying this chap, giving this prophetic word of Isaiah, he uh, was told by the Lord, I want you to stand up before the people and I want you to say this in a loud voice. The scripture says, deep from your throat. So he, he told him not only what to say, but how to speak it. God was very passionate about this word he was giving them. And he said, um, just to give you some history, so they had been okay, they had been exiled, they are back, some of them are back, some of them are still exiled, but this is the problem. His people who had been exiled and now back, and you know, like, if you had your life as a refugee and then you were maybe restored, but then instead of being grateful to God, you still continued to have things in your life that were putting other people down. So God, uh, the Hebrew people had very strong legislation uh, in, their, in their laws that if you had a Hebrew slave, you could not treat that slave unkindly, okay? So even though they were, Jew they were brothers, he was very, there was things in their legislation that provided for slaves who were Hebrews to say, 
you're not going to, um, you know, mistreat them. Uh, they're still your brothers. And so this was happening. The people were fasting. It was very public. It was very um, prideful. Uh, fasting back then was very popular. It was very common among the people. But it had become this form of religion and this form of godliness. And so God tells Isaiah, I want you to prophesy this word over the people. And, he's, and the people were crying out to God. They were saying, our prayers aren't being answered. And God's not listening to us. And God says, I want you to let them know why their fasting is not really impressing me. Okay, so I'm going to read it. But keep in mind that one of the big things that was happening, that they were mistreating slaves who were their brothers. Okay? So, in the book of Isaiah, there's a problem. Here we go. So, if you want God's attention, uh, just take advantage of weak people, poor people, or people with no voice. You will get his attention in a not good way. So, he told Isaiah, say this. Isaiah 58. Is this not the fast which I choose? to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house, when you see the naked to cover them, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break like the dawn, and your recovery will speedily spring forth, and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard, and then you will call, and the Lord will answer you. You will cry, and he will say, here I am, if you remove the, the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness, and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a well-watered garden and like springs of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age of old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. So that is... Um, he had already previous in the chapter talked about the things that were wrong, and then he said, this is the kind of fast I desire. So he was not um, impressed by their going without food and publicly showing it off to people and being prideful. He, he's not really impressed with how many days you don't eat food. He says, if you want to know the kind of fast I want, this is what it is. And it had nothing to do with not eating. But there is power in fasting. I just want to make it really clear at the beginning to say that fasting is not our way to get more points with God. So fasting is more for us than for God. So uh, let's talk about the dynamics of fasting. So who should fast? Well, Matthew chapter 9 talks about when you give, when you fast, and when you pray. So those are three things. That doesn't say if you do them. It says when. So we know that all Christians are welcome to step into fasting. Okay? God will still love you if you don't. And, you know, people have different conditions and stuff that, you know, maybe a different kind of fast would suit them. But we're all invited into that. So John's disciples, John was Jesus' cousin. 
and he preceded the Lord Jesus, and he announced the Messiah's coming. So people started following him and wanting to hear what he was going to say and teach them. And so these followers of John's went over to Jesus, and they said, can we just ask you a question here? We're like following John, and we fast, and your disciples, they don't. So what's up with that? Maybe they're thinking of changing what, what was going on. So he says, listen, the bridegroom is here. And when the bridegroom is here, the friends of the bridegroom, they don't mourn. They don't, they don't fast. They celebrate. But soon, he says, I'm going to go away. And soon these disciples, they'll be fasting too. And so he was telling them that there's a time and there's a place. And it wasn't their time. And so, you know, do you know in Christ you have everything you need, right? Everything. And so while Christ was with them, they had no need to fast. So John said this way to his disciples. He said, listen, you guys have been following me for a public ministry, but the truth is I must decrease and he must increase. And that's how it is for us, right? That's what fasting essentially is. It's emptying ourselves so we can make room for more of God. And one of the biggest distractions to uh, following the Lord, uh, to seeking him in a deeper way, is when all our physical needs are met. So, um, so just the disclaimer, if you are seriously considering doing a 21 uh, no-food fast, you need to check with your doctor, uh, especially if you're going to you know, do any extended thing. If you have medical things, you just want to be wise. So we're not promoting just you know, throwing away your medication and just jumping into it. You got to use wisdom, uh, check with your doctor, and make sure you're okay to do that. So how does it work? It's kind of a mystery, really. Fasting is amazing. It's um, dependent on what kind of fast you do, why you're doing it. Those are the kind of things you need to figure out. You need to say, God, what kind of a fast are you calling me to? And how is that going to look in my life? Every time this time of year, um, people will say to us, like, hey, can, can you have vitamins when you're on your fast? Or we'll get a text, uh, can I eat corn chips? You know, really, we don't answer those questions. It's just between you and God. The fasts that are listed in the Bible are um, on the podcast. Lance goes into them in detail. Uh, you just have to look on our website. It's probably just called fasting. It would be a January message. But it talks about the Daniel fast is 21 days of fruits and vegetables and water and no meat and sugar and those type of things. So that's a 21-day Daniel fast. Um, you can have a one-day fast, a three-day, a seven-day. You know, you could fast breakfasts. And the whole point of the whichever fast you choose is to say, my focus is going away from that, and it's turning to the Lord. Because like I said, if you just say, I'm not going to eat, then you're starving. And that's not the point of it. The point is that the time you would take to prepare things, the time you would take to do that, you're saying, I'm stepping aside from that. I'm pushing back from the table, and I'm pushing into what the Lord wants. Hunger becomes an escort to prayer, and that is one of the, probably the best things about the full fast is that when those hunger pains come, and you go and you spend time with the Lord, and you read the word, or you spend time in that prayer or worship, you actually feel strength returning to your body, and, and it passes. And, you know, it's just, it, it really is a mystery and a miracle of how that happens. 
And, um, you know, some people think, well, the Daniel fast is easy because you just have to eat fruits and vegetables. I'm telling you, if you're a carb person, you go into that fast within 24 hours, you're just like, I would do anything for a croissant. Like, it's just, it really is a sacrifice. And Lance and I just say, you know, if it means something to you, it means something to God. And quite often we'll see people say, oh, I'm going off Facebook for the month of January or I'm not going to use my smartphone for games and stuff. And, and those things are great because if they, if they distract you, uh, then they're not good. And the thing is you can pass time when you're fasting. You can just use other things to fill your time. And again, you know, it's like, it's like starving without praying. You have to make sure that your focus is shifting. The point, too, is to humble ourselves. Um, we just live in a society where it's all about be strong, you can do it, uh, you've got what it takes, all, you know, all self-focused. And really, the upside-down kingdom is about, God, you know, you must increase in my life. I just confess, Lord, that the best thing about me is whatever parts are you. And, you know, humbling ourselves, one of the fastest ways to see what your life is like and who you are is to start going without food. C.S. Lewis has a quote that says, um, where does that go? He has this quote that says, um, if you want to find out how truly bad you are, try to be really good. <laughs> Why do we fast? Well, it's great at uh, overcoming temptation. Um, an anointing. Sometimes if you're launching a new ministry or you're stepping into a, a new thing that the Lord's calling you to do, fasting before it is something that can just give you that covering of anointing to do a task. Ezra talks about that. He said that he had been, um, the king had given them the means to go back and rebuild the walls. And he said he wanted to ask the king could I take some armed guards with me to protect our stuff while we make this journey? And then he thought, what would that say about God, that God can't protect his own stuff? So instead, he fasted first that the Lord would be their protection on their journey. And the Lord did protect them, and they arrived safely. But quite often, before you launch into a new thing, maybe a new job or a moving or whatever, it's a good time to stop and fast and just say, God, I'm just declaring your protection over this, your oversight. And God's going to give you guidance and wisdom and direction and understanding. Um, quite often during a fast, you're going to get revelation like you've never had before. And uh, there are some great spiritual benefits to it. So there's, um, like I said, you can check back our previous sermons on fasting to learn about the Esther and the Daniel fast. And um, just to remember that it's not a diet. Sometimes, you know, we've been guilty of this as well, where we got onto the Daniel fast and we started looking for recipes that, you know, could fit into that. And before you knew it, it became more obsessive than, than not fasting because it became the Daniel fast diet, you know. And, and not that, you know, I'm not saying that's totally wrong. I'm just saying remember your focus is towards the Lord. Okay, what you can expect when you're fasting. Um, a headache, okay, if you're a coffee drinker or 
sugar person, you can be sure that'll happen. Uh, you can pray that it won't. Maybe it won't happen for you. You can be sure that you'll be interrupted. I'm telling you, like, fasting will give you more invitations to eat out in restaurants and be at people's homes than, you know, and it's not that you don't want to socialize with people, but it, it really is just saying for this little period of time, we're just putting God first, you know, so uh, not, you know, and if you're doing extended ones and you have to work and you have to be around people, then you just pray, God, give me the grace to do this and, and give me the grace and the strength to uh, do it well and he'll help you with that. Um, you can expect to be discouraged. I'm just going to say right now, beware of the very first voice you hear. Because the very first voice you hear says, you can do this later. How about you just pray? And you get this negotiating starting to happen when you choose to do a full fast where it's just like, really? I don't even feel spiritual. I think I just decided this on my own and God didn't tell me. Like the, the wheeling and the dealing begins to happen. It is really smart at the beginning of your fast to write down, I am fasting for three days or seven days or whatever. And I'm fasting for this reason. And it's going to start at this time. It's going to end. It's just for your own thing of I'm doing it, you know, because it's so easy to negotiate out of it. And I think, you know, it, it doesn't disqualify what you do, but I think you disappoint yourself. And, and there is something that feels so good about fulfilling what you say you're going to do. Um, you, I just want to say about that, too, that trying and failing is not being disqualified. We're the ones who put that on ourselves. But... I, God just showed me this picture of when our, you know, 12-month-old child is learning how to walk. When they get halfway across the room, we don't say, wow, we didn't get a bright child. You know, you, you just encourage them, way, yeah, way to go. Just, we're so happy. And you encourage every step. The Lord's like that. He's a good father. Every time we make an effort, he is so proud of us. And you just try again. It's okay. You're not disqualified if it doesn't work. If you've tried it in past years and it didn't work, that's all right. Ask the Lord. Try to ask the Lord to give you the desire to fast and to pray. Try fasting a meal. Try fasting a meal with prayer. Try fasting one day. Uh, gradually go into it. We started that way. We started one day, three days, seven, 21, and just went from there. And, you know, in a year... If you did, like, every fast that was available, I think, it would end up being almost 40 days. So I want to talk about the Jesus fast. And um, Jesus, before he went into his ministry, he was led out into the wilderness. And it says he didn't eat for 40 days. And, um, you know, what happened was when I started thinking about this, and I read the Isaiah one, I just realized how this one in the New Testament that Jesus did so paralleled the Isaiah 58. So let's read that together. It's in Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this story to become, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain. 
and the glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you before me, if you would worship before me, it shall be all yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he led him to Jerusalem, and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in the synagogue and was praised by all. As he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as was his, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood and read. From the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim and to release the captives, and to recover the sight of the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So at the start of the chapter, it says that he was full of the Holy Spirit and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, okay? So he was already full of the Holy Spirit. This had already happened where he was baptized and God said, this is my son who I am well pleased. And so God already was pleased with him, but he was led there. So there's something about being led into a fast, Then on verse 14, it says, he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that, um, my friends, is really what fasting is about. And it's about coming out of it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we are full of the Holy Spirit. His Spirit dwells within us. But there's something about pushing back from the things that distract us and pushing into the Lord that you walk out with power. And I just want to explain it like this. God's not up there with his fist clenched. And as we fast one day, three days, seven days, his fist becomes unclenched. And eventually we're going to get what we're fasting for. I'm just telling you, that's what the enemy would have you believe, that God's withholding. And maybe if you beg enough, maybe if you uh, deny yourself enough, God will release it. Because in Daniel, he said, I'm going to fast and pray for what the Lord had told him to do. And this is what happened. When the angel got there after day 21, what did the angel say to Daniel? He said, the very moment you prayed, the Lord released me to come and give you this answer. But I was caught up in the heavenlies with this warfare. Okay? So God immediately released the answer. But... The fasting is what dealt with the warfare. So fasting is not God is softening his heart towards you. His heart is already soft. He already loves you with everything. Fasting is dealing with the darkness, is dealing with the hindrances, is dealing with the things in our life that hinder us, and the dealing with the spiritual things. And so what we've seen over these past years is that the fast that we do in January, sometimes we see our breakthrough in August. One year, God targeted um, my heart. He said, just start fasting for your marriage. 
And for 21 days, uh, and I did it on Facebook a bit too, where we would just pray for our husbands, and God gave me 21 days of strategy. And I'm telling you, that fasting and prayer in January was because he knew he knew that things would come up in our life that we would need breakthrough. And I was so glad. And God will do that. He'll prepare you ahead of time. He'll say, you know, and sometimes we get that. And we're like, God, why, why am I fasting? Or why am I praying for this person? Or why am I thinking about them? And you don't know. And sometimes you don't hear the other end of the story. But you've got to trust that something is happening in the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm. And that is why it's so important. That's why he says, when I go away, my disciples will fast. That's us, because we're going to need to. He's not presently in bodily form with us. And uh, one of the other reasons he said to, to fast was for that deliverance. And, you know, the disciples came to Jesus, and he said, they said, we can't cast out this demon. And Jesus said, he said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Not just fasting, but prayer and fasting. And so, you know, that's one of the power tools that we have that's pushing back darkness. I also get to speak next week. And next week, I'm going to be talking about warfare and, and just saying, what would daily warfare look in our life? And I just, one of the things God's shown me is that, you know, we may... Um, we may not be on the extreme of saying everything is demonic, but I think we swing the other way that we aren't quite enough aware that it's happening all the time around us. We don't want to focus on that. We'll talk about that next week. But um, so he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus, the Messiah, was tempted during his fast, you can be sure you will be. And tempting doesn't mean you're not holy and not spiritual. It means that uh, you're human and it means that you're in good company, okay? So don't be worried about that. Um, and then it says, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, as was his custom. So he had done this many times. He had gone to the synagogue many times. You could go in there, and if you were a man, you could ask for the reading. You could be a guest, and you could read from the Holy Scriptures. So he had done this many times. He had seen it many times. But this is what I love about the connection of this. Number one, he, re he reads from Isaiah, which is the fast that God said, this is the fast I desire, okay? So the fasting is not the desire of you are honoring me in this, that you are, you know, worshiping me in this fast. But he says, the fast that I desire is to loose, to loose the bonds, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, to release the captives, right? So he recites the same as Isaiah. And it says, um, the passage he read, says, and then the people marveled, and then he went out and he did all the works that he had just expounded on in Isaiah and more, right? And so this is what fasting will do. It's about coming out of your fast in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as was your custom, as is your routine, as is your daily events, you may have done them all the time forever, but all of a sudden, they're going to have the power of the Holy Spirit attached to them. And so those conversations you've been having with people you love, who you feel no breakthrough in, the power of the Holy Spirit is on your words. The things that have been held back, 
the things that are kind of just there, but you can't lay hands on them, you can't actually touch it, all of a sudden the power of the Holy Spirit is giving that breakthrough. And so the thing that Jesus had done normally was his custom, became anointed, became powerful, and had results. And the whole point of fasting is not the sum of the moments we spend in prayer and fasting. It's the sum of the fruit that we bear because of the intimacy of prayer and fasting. And so it's not about how much time did we do? How many? How, have you done a 40-day? Have you done a 40-day? Oh, I've done three 40 days. Oh, good. I'm working on my fifth. No, it's not about how many. It's about what is the fruit that you bear from it. And, you know, we, we just need to be about that, about abiding with the Lord and walking in that place of God. He can do more in a, in a one-day fast in your life to change how much fruit you bear than the religious way of saying, I will do this in my own strength and not have any fruit come from it at all. So I live in Cold Lake. You guys know that. And uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, when you go around to different shops and stuff, you see people that you've seen over the years, but you don't really know them. And they're just familiar faces. Like if I go to the hospital, the girl at the front desk, I've seen her. She's probably worked there for 10 years. And she's really nice. I don't know her name, though. And so there, but there is a familiarity of living in this city. And then I live in Tri-City, right behind the mall. And right behind the mall, there's a few people from our church who live there. And uh, Rebecca and Grant live just down the street from me. And I know her a little better. And uh, I drive by, and I can see if she's home or not, if her vehicle's there. And um, it's, uh, it's different than a familiar face. And in our home, we've had different people live with us. Ernie lived with us for a year. And we've had different times of people just staying with us for different reasons. And you know, when someone lives in your home, you definitely get to know them better. And they get to see you without makeup. <laughs> and they get to see, you know, your uh, routines. They see that, wow, you're not always happy and cheerful. And, and uh you know, so there's another degree of familiarity when someone lives in your house. But, you know, my husband and I share the same bedroom. And the familiarity there is way beyond the other, right? And so Jesus said a couple of things. Number one, he said, I go away to prepare a place for you. And he said, in my father's house are many rooms. And what that says to me is that we're allowed to be as close to him as we desire, you know, there's two scriptures that are kind of contrasting. And one is, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens, I'll come in and I'll sup with him. And I'm like, okay, good, awesome. He's there. But it also, there's also a scripture where Jesus says, you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. And I'm like, so are you at the front door or do I have to look for you? And then I realized it's both. Because like that place of intimacy, it's not one person who always does all the work, right? But it's a partnership, it's a marriage, and it's the closest place. And there are times where, you know, the manifest presence of God, and you just feel him, and you hear him, and you know he's looking out for you. But there are times when you don't really feel him so much. So that's when you seek him. That's where you seek him till you find him. And fasting is one of those ways where you can step into that place, not because he's not there. 
It's just usually because life gets so busy and things get so crowded that he's just kind of been, uh, on our part, pushed back a bit. And so I guess I just encourage you to um, say, God, I want to be that close to you. I want to not just have you familiar in my city or live down the street from me. I just, I want you right in my, right in my heart. I want you with me all the time. I asked the Lord about that. What is, what is a fasted life? And uh, I'd heard that phrase, and I was wrestling with it for a while, and I thought it had to do with something about being really spiritual. And, and uh, I actually Googled it, and there are th- crazy things out there that if you're eating a meal, you would leave a portion of it kind of like that's for God. It's like God doesn't need, you know, a third of your steak, I don't think. But yet, I guess if God's telling you to do that, but sometimes when you go looking for answers, you probably shouldn't go to Google. So I just said, God, what is that? And he said, a fasted life is this. It's Isaiah 58, and it's this scripture from Luke where a fasted life is giving hope to people who are hopeless, saying to those who are in prison, come out. And fasting will help you to be that kind of person that the power of the Holy Spirit flows through you in a very normal, everyday way. And when I call my brother on the phone and we're having a chat, the words I have can be life to his spirit because God is with me, because his spirit's in my heart and it flows through me. Um, These are three phrases that I believe God just says to incorporate into our fast this year. Get prepared. I don't know about you, but there's no stability in our economy, in our, in our natural surroundings that we can really anchor into. And I feel that God says, get prepared. The other phrase was, be expectant. And expectant is, you know something's coming, it's just a matter of time. And I think of that uh, pregnant woman. There's no denying that baby's going to come. It's just, when is it going to happen? So be expectant of the good things that are coming. And the other phrase I heard him say was, not my will, but your will be done. And so many times we're about our own agendas, and God says it's time for the church to be about my agenda. And um, we won't miss it. If We won't miss it. And, you know, if you're right with God, you will be right with people. And that's the whole thing. It's like, God, sometimes we try to fix ourselves, and we just need to fix our eyes and fix them on him. So we're going to go into communion right now. And I'll ask the team and the communion um, servers to come. And uh, it was the Last Supper. But you know the funny thing? They didn't know it was the Last Supper. They just thought it was Passover. It happened all the time. And uh, so here they were at the Last Supper. And it was the point where one period of time was ending and a new period of time was beginning. And I think that is so a January thing, you know, like 2015 is gone. We can't change that, but there's a new new time coming. And he said, in this new age, uh, he knew that he was going to lay down his life and it would open the opportunity for us to come so close to him that we would no longer have to sacrifice animals for sins, but we could come right into his presence. And he said, I will not drink again. When he took the cup, he said, I'm not going to drink this again until I drink it in the new kingdom, until that marriage supper of the lamb. And, you know, unbeknownst to his disciples, they had no idea, but they didn't know until they looked back. That was the last supper. 
and he's still waiting. He's still longing for us. He's coming back for a church that's waiting for him. Yeah, we'll give it out. So, I think as we kind of go into this month, I would say, just to remind you, just say, God, what kind of fast would you have me do? And if you've never fasted before, what a great time to try. And if you have before and, and it hasn't gone well, then try again. And write down, this is what I'm believing for. God, what are you giving me the permission to believe for? What are you giving me permission to dream for? And uh, do that inventory of your spirit. The inventory is just saying, God, I can't believe how I got here. Or this is what I need to work on. And you ask him, if you don't have the desire to fast, you can ask him for that. Because the truth is, whatever you desire, you will obtain. Whatever we really want, we make it happen. And so just begin to ask him and say, Lord, would you just give me that desire? And start reading the scriptures about it. Start saying, Lord, what would this look like in my life? Um, you know, when our kids were younger, like even four and five, we were talking about fasting and we said, you know, we don't want to, you know, we're obviously not going to make our kids fast food or meals or whatever at that age. But we would tell them like, you know what, we're just not going to have sugar in our house in January. And, you know, even at those young ages, they would be like, okay, mom and dad, we want to. And we would tell them, what are you going to be praying for? Start, start mentoring your kids in prayer and fasting. And they would say, I, I remember Mackenzie prayed for this one boy in her class probably for like three or four years straight. And it's just, you know, like help them to have spiritual eyes because they don't always naturally have that. So you just help them and say, well, what do you think, what do you think we should be believing for? And um, as you step into it, you know, God's just faithful. And it's like you'll never find the, um, the beauty of what he has for you. You'll never see the bigness of God if you don't step out, if you don't jump in. And uh, just keeping in mind, too, that, you know what, God invented pleasure. And he's not a mean God who says, if you do this, then I will do this. His heart is that we would be enlarged enough that we could contain what he wants to give us. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.